Welcome to the Self-Helpful Podcast. I'm Kevin Miller, and this is the podcast people tune into for in-depth discussions on the latest research from our foremost leaders in self-improvement, so you can be growing and more equipped to live at your fullest capacity in body, mind, and soul. Our bodies are like a wood-burning stove to a degree. You can throw anything in them, and they'll burn it for energy and keep your heart beating. So putting in 10 Twinkies or a salad, I mean, what's the difference? Well, most of our culture's focus is just on weight gain or loss. So the idea is salad has less calories and Twinkies will make you fat. But let's put weight on the back burner and just focus on overall wellness and ability. Let's make brain function, energy, resilience, and longevity our focal point. How do we eat for those goals? How do you eat so you feel more hopeful and joyful How does food factor into mental health and depression? Food is far more than just fuel to burn. The nutritional value in the food is either burning and building us or burning and depleting us. It's our most powerful medicine or poison. This is my Functional Friday episode where we focus on our health and wellness so we have the physical and mental capacity to help ourselves and others. My co-host is Randy James, medical doctor and functional medicine expert. We spend the bulk of this episode discussing the psychology and concept of what and how we eat. Then around the 60-minute mark, we talk about the literal foods that we eat and what we advocate. If you find value from this self-helpful podcast, it'd be great if you would leave a rating or review. Best thing you can do, keep the discussion going. Talk about what you heard here with someone else. You can always find me, connect with me at my website or social media at kevinmiller.co. Next up, Dr. Randy James and I talk about food. What foods are going to help us and hurt us the most? We talked about the reality that in today's culture, we can go through our day, our week, our existence without any physical effort, you know, no muscle resistance, no elevation of our heart rate or whatever. Uh, So we have to kind of artificially do that. And today with, I mean, it's been that way for a long time. I got since processed food, we can exist off of food that's totally dead, has no nutritional value, no life-giving quantity, but we can live off of it. And it's the main portion of our grocery stores. It's the, what do they say? The, all the good right. stuff's on the outside. Right. It's the big middle. The big middle. Yeah. So you got, what do, what do you got on outside? Like, you know, produce and meats and milks and cheese and fish and whatever, veggies. And then in the inside is all that stuff that we can exist on. I mean, you can eat that for many years and exist. Alive, yeah. Yeah. But is it the food that's going to make you as fully functioning as possible? We should use the word optimal even. I mean, if you want to perform better and have, and not, you know, as we talk about and have longevity quality. Right. Uh, and that's what gets me too. Cause we've always got somebody say, yeah, you know, grandpa ate leather and nails and he survived. I mean, the body's amazing at survival. How much better could he have been? How many things could he have elevated in his physical body, his consciousness is soul right and and the the problem there is you'll never know yeah and so people hearing this will think well yeah of course i could do something a little bit better from the medical side i think this is the 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 coming together of health span and lifespan so Mm -hmm. grandpa lived 90 whatever years old but how long how many of those years was he healthy Mm -hmm. whatever that means 
you said the word optimal. I, I always chafe at the word optimal because it's undefinable, right? So we, we just have to put that into the equation that... That's just you, your own guilt. I am optimal and you're not. <laughs> well, yeah, you might be right. Thank you. Um, it, well, and the other chafing I have is actually in my own, my own colleagues, my own profession, the, the websites that promote optimum wellness, right? And then you see a, a picture of young, athletic, well-built, skinny, whatever. And, and it's just like, oh gosh. I, I do want to caveat that real quick because you're an MD. And when you talk about your peers in that regard, you're not talking about other medical well, no. doctors and traditional medicine. You're talking about the other functional wellness. docs in yeah, the wellness okay. industry yes. okay. that, that actually makes a case that, that I, as a doc, would know what's optimal for Kevin Miller, what your optimal blood pressure, cholesterol, vitamin K, whatever, would be for you to do really well on being a husband and a father and a mountain bike rider. Yeah. If, you know, that's just not possible. So let's not hold that out there as some kind of holy grail that, that people could get to. Well, let's, let's go back to the, what we've been talking about lately, the sensitivity. I, I want, uh, like the sensitivity of a high-performing car. Uh, we, we referenced, uh, yeah. I think in the last show, we referenced that uh, Ford versus Ferrari. Yeah. You know, which, yeah. I, again, I'm not a great car guy, but I grew up with that. And how they're tinkering with the smallest thing so they can get this car to drive the fastest it can for 24 hours uh, straight in, in Le Mans. You know, I mean, so it's just got to be perfect. So they're doing everything perfect down to the minutia of the fuel and the ratio of this and that. So we are a culture in America, well, worldwide, where we love sports and we're watching the next MMA fight or the football or the tennis. And man, those guys, I mean, the night before his Wimbledon tennis match, uh, Roger, Roger Federer, I mean, is he having uh, beer and pizza? I mean, we would all laugh at that. He's probably having, he's going to have perfect food. He's going to try to get perfect sleep. He's going to do all kinds of things to come out and be at his tip top. And then, so this is going to, so in this show, I want to suppose that everybody listening wants to be as well as they can. If you right. don't, then why are you listening then to the what, show? Right, so assuming right. that everybody wants to, like you and I do, because I want to, I mean, today I want, I mean, you're going to talk to patients and they're going to be asking you critical questions about their life. And is you, are you fuzzy brain today because you ate crap and then slept bad and, you know, and, and, and you're trying to do a new business model. Right. You know, I'm writing a book. I mean, I, I want to do great things. I want to, I want to be happy for my family tonight after a long day of work. And those things all reside on what we're talking about here. So assuming again, that everybody wants to be as optimal as they can. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> okay. So, so food and I want to get literal. So, you know, my notes on this, we're thinking about what are life giving foods, what foods are neutral, if there is such a thing and what are actually life taking and folks i do want you to hear i mean i want you to come out with some thoughts on literally what might you best eat for breakfast for lunch for for whatever before we get into and i, I literally thought it was let's start with breakfast um real quick randy hit on the what would this be the methodology of whatever it is you are eating so we're going to get to what are you eating the literal food but methodology wise because right now and we talked about on the show the the, the, not the fads, but the, you know, the, the hot buttons are things like intermittent fasting, keto, um, you know, the idea Whole of having 30. Yeah. The lot of meals, carb. you know, eat six meals a day. That's um, kind of on the other side of, and people will now say, you got to fuel, you got to prime the pump. That's metafast. I mean, some of the other, so if you go the, to, the, 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 the ones that you get did, I forgot their name, but they had you eating all a day lot, long. A lot. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, and there you go. So you talked about your peers right now. If you go to the biggest fitness instructors, like, uh, what's the girl's name? Jillian Michaels, Michaels no. and, you mm-hmm. know, and, and name 10 others, name 10 of her peers. You're going to hear one go, Oh, keto. Mm-hmm. And the other one's going to go intermittent fasting. Mm-hmm. And the other one's going to be touting essential oils and nutritional <laughs> supplements and, you know, whatever. And then the other is going to say six meals a day. And the other is going to say high protein to build muscle. And it's frustrating. Very. And I think that's a good place to start off with, too, because even as we dance in this frustrating and incomplete area where we do use words like optimal, but I would say, well, we shouldn't. Let's just start off at the beginning and say we have to say words. Yeah. Okay. But nutrition science is barely science. Okay. So there's there's. It's nutrition science is so hard to do because nobody just eats. Nobody just fuels. You eat with either joy or you eat in the car, you eat mad and there's an emotional connection. And, and like this morning, when you asked me, well, why do you eat what you eat? The first thought I had is, well, I'm eating a lot around my kids. That's, yeah. that's the first thought I had. Not like our, if it was just me and Marcy, I think our diets would be so different. Yeah. Um, so, So at the outset, and and people talk about, well, you know, a a keto-based or a Mediterranean-based or a whatever-based, and let's just start off and say nobody knows, right? There is no way to know the best diet for Kevin Miller. You, so if you came in and said, I want to know the best, I'd say, I'm not your guy. You, nobody's your guy. You cannot know. In the same way that as you write a book, you cannot know exactly the right word to say for it to sell a million copies. You cannot know. Well, you, but you make your best attempt. Yeah, you. And, but you, you're you know ish. For yes, every, for every person that it's walks, squishy science. But, but <laughs> so you can't claim to say you're going to figure out. I mean, if you made it your work for the next week to figure and do all the tests you could on me uh, to just dive into me personally, you could come up with to the best you can a pretty pretty optimal diet. Yes, but let's go. Let's go back to Ford versus Ferrari. Those guys spent. It was in the movie. It was like $9 million car. Yeah. Okay, so they got data points every single day. They tried this fuel, that fuel, uh-huh. this fuel, that fuel. If we could do that for Kevin Miller, like for a Roger Federer who has his own chef, his own whatever, then you can. It's, it's calculus. You can dial it in more exactly well, for sure. And that's our journey. I mean, literally, you and me. And your and your I mean, and my family. And but, we, but I mean, even, you know, you and I have been working together for whatever, six years now. And how many different things do we continually try to ultimately figure out, oh man, I, I don't do as well. No matter what the test is, I just realized that food, when I eat that, I feel this way or I sleep this way or whatever. When I eat that one, I tend to have or eat this. Man, I got more energy on my ride or whatever. So it is trial and error aside from you know what tests we can do to figure out. That. That's right. And now we're back to, I said data points and, and I think you would we would also say awareness. Yeah. If you have a watch, you're going to get all day long data points that somebody else might not get. And then you can, so, so now we're speaking to people all over the map for a long time. You know, I wasn't a watch guy cause I just didn't want to deal with data points. I just, I, it didn't matter. But now for whatever reason, I'm more interested in, and so for people out there, I don't want people to think, Oh yeah, you got to get a watch or a test or try this food, that food, this food, that food. And, but if you are listening to this and you want to be becoming better, then I would say then you need some awareness, some data points. You must 
and that's why we're having the show, is to define our terms. You can't know optimal, but you can approach it, right? Like you can't yeah. be perfect, but you could be approaching it. You can be going in that direction for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, on I, I do, before we get into the literal foods uh, and, and speaking the words of a food, uh, you know, intermittent fasting, keto, many things. I mean, because... We again, we hear so many people tout those. So I'll just give my my personal thought on it. I've done them all, and I would say I do them all. And I, it's cyclical. You're the one that brought that to my thought process a long time ago, back when we first met about the idea. You kind of said, you know, think about it way back when you grew this, and then it went out of season, and you didn't eat it anymore, and you did this. So you were naturally forced forced to, yeah. to eat cyclically yes and so we did that for again for the most span of time since the industrial revolution which is when was that well, late 1800s early 1900s yeah, it began to change with industrial resolution uh, revolution. revolution 1700s in britain and let's say eight late 1800s in america uh, Not that they were eating perfect back then. I mean, we have cultures back then that realized, yeah, like the early, you know, English and figured out they could make pastries and they just ate grains for and meat for every meal. No vegetables. And they were getting scurvy right. and, and things like that. So it's right. not that they were doing it perfectly. But but anyways, back to cycles. So, I mean, you do fasting a lot. Um, and, you know, and people know most everybody now has heard intermittent fasting. And so we're prone to find something and go, man, that, I kind of feel good and adopt it. And that's what I'm going to do for life. I'm not any, at this point I'm not, I do that for a while and then I may do keto for a while and then I'll do, let's eat a lot of, I've been doing a ton of fruit lately. I don't know why. And I was doing, yeah, the six meals a day. Now I'm doing two at the most and I'm, I call it schizophrenic, but well, I, it's cyclical. No, I, yeah, and I'm also sure. kind of listening to my body. I don't, right now, I don't know. I don't feel like eating breakfast lately. I'm just not. So, so we're, we're into the squishy place again yeah. because Kevin Miller can't know, was six meals a day better for you or two meals a day better for you? Because your ride is the same, essentially. Mm -hmm. You're, you know, when you get into, into the performance, how much has to do with what you ate last night versus, versus how much have you trained over the last three months? I, I, do, I do feel, I mean, I've done it enough and tested enough, feel like my rides, I feel more energetic stronger if i have had carbs some carbs a day before as opposed to the keto but again there's athletes out there winning the olympics on a keto diet so i, I don't know but for me i've just i've just done it enough i've noticed gosh i just feel a little better if i've had some carbs a day before yeah so that we're back to everybody's different there is not going to be a single diet that we could ever say this is the one and hopefully i'm imagining so a lot of patients will come in and just feel relaxed like okay whew so I don't have to do that keto thing, that Mediterranean thing, that vegetarian thing, or that fasting thing. But then you do have to eat. So, And you probably had patients who said, I tried keto, and oh my gosh, I feel so much better. I lost weight. And then you've had others that say, I tried it. I felt like crap. I gained weight. Yeah. Uh, and they feel better with carbs. Yeah. Which is, you know, uh, yeah, the difference. And of course, it's what kind of carbs? When do you eat your carbs? So carbs doesn't mean Twinkies. It did. Yeah, obviously, you know, and we can get into that. And we just hit on, I mean, genetics. If you were, I'm going to be facetious a little bit, but I, you know, if you were a uh, Inuit living up in, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> in, in the north, living on whale blubber and whatever they ate for generations and generations, yep. what are the chances that today on a more keto, you know, meat, fish, high fat diet, you're going to feel better 
than going to something that your ancestors didn't eat for totally as opposed to whoever who (laughs) ate pine nuts and (laughs) grains or whatever in that culture so so we can speak into that a lot that's um America is unique in this situation because America, when you look at, now if we look at a food history, how did we get to this point, right? What does American food actually mean? Mm-hmm. And what it means is sort of everything. America is the melting pot. So we have, you can go we have Italy, you have Little Italy in New York City, and, and you got Chinatown, and you got, you know, Ethiopian restaurants. And, and so to eat American, if it doesn't mean fast food, it, it doesn't really mean anything. It, it's so... That would be it. You go to another culture, they have an American restaurant, it's burgers it's and burgers fries. It's burgers and fries, right. And even the fries came from French fries yeah. and et cetera, et cetera. So all of us have a outside of Native American, and we've talked about that with you and your family and your daughter, and probably she is genetically built to have very, very little carbs. Oh, I mean, I can, we, we spend time on the, the, the Pueblo down there in the reservation and it's just, it's just empty carbs and sugars. I mean, I, literally you can go to Walmart there and it's, it's, it's horrendous. It's like mass genocide. Right. But why is that? It's not, it's, it wasn't because they were listening to their bodies or listening to genetics that now, why do they eat what they eat? That culture, it's it's not genetic, it's emotional. It has a big, huge history in uh, American guilt. It's availability. If they were on, if they were stuck on the reservation having to grow their own food, but they're not, they got Walmart, they could just drive there. And and that came from with food money. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So when, so if you look at the American history and, and the, uh, the American U S government and what happened with native American and, and I grew up in that too, from Oklahoma, part of the Chickasaw Nation, and you know, with my family and and all of that, it was a deep awareness for me to to, to try to understand that, and to even for you and I to think we're going to go to a reservation or to a culture and say, "Hey, you guys, there's a better way." It it what is going to impact the food decisions that people make? Yeah are going to be so emotionally wrapped up in what they have already been doing and why they have been doing it and what they're addicted to and and what the uh, habits and addictions mental habits emotional habits and the physical habits and as we talk even to a well person over here how many people have been well adjusted pretty fit one guy i'm thinking of uh whose wife used to work in the office and he loves tennis and, and I mentioned fasting and, you know, doing this. And he's like, oh, no, I get shaky. I get whatever. I'm like, well, it's not that you're addicted to food. That that's You just are out of shape. You're out of fasting shape. And he just didn't want to have anything. You know. I would say efficient. I've, I've thought about that back in my you know, pro cycling days and, and this pursuit of health and wellness. I want my body to be efficient to deal with stuff. And so, yeah, my body has no problem having a not a big dinner uh get up in the morning a lot of times lately i'm not eating breakfast and at you know 11 o'clock or something i'll go out on a one two hour mountain bike ride having no fuel i had some coffee and water you know and my body's efficient i want it to be efficient enough that i don't feel anything different i feel great and i come back and then i'll eat later i'd go i'd go a step further and so now to people out there who are hearing this i, I would say this to the kevin millers 
or to the Randy James, to somebody who's not dealing with diabetes or sure. metabolic derangement or problems or things like that, is how is your mountain bike ride on day two of not, not eating? eating? Right, day three, day four, day five. Yeah. Because you should be able to do that mountain bike ride on day five, no food. Yeah. And here's why. People think, oh, that's ridiculous. Are you you would die. And I said, no, you wouldn't. Cause you got to fuel up before you, you got to fuel up after and fuel. Well, right. That's, that's how the, people think. I know. I know. But go back to 1850s and you've got, you've got the farming community in central Iowa or whatever, but you also have uh, the Zuni reservation right there. And it's like, Hey, we haven't had a deer in five days. Uh, We're going to go run 50 miles totally. and chase one down. I'm thinking about little house in the prairie. My, we read that some of that, um, not long ago, and yeah, they're out on the wagon train, man. And there's no, they don't have, they, they ran out of food that's with them, you know. And then which, by on. the way, we need to say the book is way different than the shows. It's, it's just talking the, about racist. It's like one of them. It's, it's horrendous. Well, that part's horrendous, but it also described that was real. Oh yeah, it yeah, was yeah, real. It was real. The Call- shows were kind of yeah. Uh, Hallmarky. They were hallmarky. So the book was a little more literal to the time. But yeah, they'd be on the wagon train going west, and they ran out of food. They ran out of water, and three days go by, and they're just making it. And then Posse's a deer, and he's got to go run after that thing. He's got to be able to perform. Right. And imagine if you are even an Olympic level athlete, and you're in the back of that schooner saying, "Oh, I'm so famished. I haven't eaten for three days. I." I, if you had fueled me up, I could run faster than everybody to go get that deer. I haven't eaten just one meal. I missed a meal. And the common vernacular today is, man, I, I haven't eaten since I haven't eaten since last night. You know, you know it's lunchtime. I, I'm starved. I'm we starved. use that I'm word. Yeah. That word, I'm starved. I mean, because you know, of course, the kids use it. I, you have no idea what hunger even feels like. Uh, it's it's so here in America. We are, I'm going to say that we are primarily, because we, we are in America, we talk about this, it's a, you know, we're, we beat this drum to death that we are getting sicker and fatter. I mean, it's just a, it's just a fact. It's just the stats. And I'm going to say it's a, a uh, from too much of the non-life-giving food, too much, pro, well, processed food and too much. Overfed, malnourished. Overfed and malnourished. So we're eating processed foods without any life in them, and we are eating too much. I mean, portions alone, and that is... That feel it seems pretty indicative to our culture specifically. You go to other cultures, and for the most part that I've witnessed, they do not sit down and eat till they are stuffed. And that I think that became kind of an affluent thing, you know, here in America. You've got enough food, man, and they affluent. You can just stuff yourself. And now we're used to it. You're supposed to oh, push back. You go, oh my gosh, I'm I'm stuffed. And what was I don't even remember the book at this point. We talk about it so often that just talked about gosh, maybe it was food rules that you portion wise. To to be well, I mean, a good barometer measurement is after you eat, you should be able to go on a jog and not be hurting, not be burping and, you know, whatever. And that's countercultural for you. Right. I don't know. I don't know where that came from. It might just be us. No, I read it somewhere. Okay. Well, we'll credit. It was a, it was this concept of just kind of an easy barometer was, yeah, after you, because think about it. Again, go, go back to the time before our, our most recent, you know, couple Where we hundred sit years around all day long yeah Even we, our work is sitting yeah you eat and you may need to defend yourself i mean you can't or s- you eat a huge breakfast and you got to go out and and, and just lift work. hay bales all day long true true yeah yeah and then uh, it's in nowadays so a couple things you just said there um there is a physiologic reason why people can also eat gigantic proportions and still feel quote-unquote hungry 
an hour or two later. Okay. And Crap food. Uh, well, well, tell what? Yeah, just the um, so if you have the carbohydrate yeah. and empty carbohydrate and no appropriate good healthy grass fed grass finished and all those kind of things fat source then physiologically there is also what is hunger what is satiety what is the thing in the brain that says oh gosh i'm full i'm really stuffed i really don't want to put another thing in my mouth yeah that is now granted there's emotional connection there's all these other kind of things and and we, we look at your daughter, or remember The Blind Side, that movie where this kid grew up and he's a huge kid and he just could never get enough food. So he just habitually would put food in his pockets even yeah. years later. Well, okay, that aside, there's physiologic reasons why you, you turn down that satiety mechanism. And then it, and some of the largest people that we would know, let's just say somebody who is obese, overweight, it's, it's not... Which is like one in three Americans now. Uh, well, obese is one in three. That's right. Uh, overweight is now over 70%. So, you know, overweight is slim in a lot of cultures. And I would say, okay, those people too can have a meal that's portion size a little bit heavy and, and literally think two hours later or three or four, I'm hungry. Uh-huh. I need a snack. I... How on earth could that, you've got 20, 30, 40, 50 extra pounds of, of fuel uh-huh. that's, that's there for you to go run 50 miles after a deer if you, if you needed to, but their physical, physiologic, metabolic way of accessing that fuel uh-huh. is so weak, so inefficient, so chunky, so, so not there that it's just foreign to their body and they don't go their way. And then I would, we would come along and say, hey, skip a meal or something like that, and it just crashes them. Yeah. And so it, it's no different, though, than if we went to somebody who has sat on the couch for, let's say, a year, if, and literally, or somebody who is in a wheelchair or a bed. Or here's a real example in the military. You know, these guys would get shot, 25-year-old do. If you're one week in an ICU bed, meaning you don't move, mm-hmm. you think you're going to go and run? And be right back where you were? No. So one week, it might take a month for that kind of a guy who's already fit to get back to where he was. Right. And so he's out of shape. But let's take a video game playing, couch surfing, you know, whatever kind of a guy who's mostly on the couch for a year, which is kind of a lot of people, uh-huh. right? And, and you say, hey, go walk around the block. He's going to say, it hurts my feet, it hurts my ankles, it hurts my knees, I, I get short of breath. Uh I noticed it uh, this last weekend when we went camping with, you know, a few of the guys from church. And one guy, he was admittedly new to this elevation, out of shape, and we're walking along on the flat part. So we haven't started the hill part yet. Mm-hmm. And we get to the, the trailhead, like, like this, like, up. Mm-hmm. We're doing a 14er. And we are all stopping there, and we're just kind of talking. And he comes up huffing. Wow. Right? So now imagine that within the food place. And if your body and people will say, oh, my gosh, I get a headache, I get hangry, I get shaky, I get jittery. So that's part of our food problem here is food is fuel. It is also emotions and joy and taste and all those kind of things. But if you eat the kind of food and then don't access it with your activities or your thought process, it goes to a place where it becomes harder and harder and harder to access. Yeah. And then for you to go get it means you more and more and more have to skip 
a meal or do what feels like weird draconian dietary measures and to, to get to the energy. Well, isn't that part of the keto type yes. thing? Okay. That's why that got, you know, and, and again, goodness gracious, it's so confusing if you, because the, these smart docs write these books and they say, well, here's why keto works because of this part of your physiology and yada, yada. And, and the, you know, the carb, fuel, prime the pump, those kind of people, here's why this way works. And so for the layperson in the middle of that, it's, it's, it's frustrating, but it is for sure keto is going to work for some people and for sure fuel priming and that kind of thing is going to work for other people. And so how do you know which one of those people you are? And I would say, gosh, in a sense, you just got to kind of go out there and live it. Well, even if it does work, is it something that you do for the rest of your life every single day? And I, I would say no, that it's still a cyclical thing. Well, Yes, and well, I was going to say, yeah, you fast every single day because you must, because nobody can eat 24-7. Whether it's two meals a day or six meals a day, there's fasting in between. Right. So I think it's important for people to have a relationship in their head with fasting, almost as important as what is your relationship with food Mm -hmm. and feeding. Now, we're, we're talking about food as fuel. And again, most people, at the very beginning, you said people just eat to fuel themselves and to go. And I'd say, no, they eat for entertainment is why I think most people actually eat. for enter- Well, true. Because, yeah, if we, let's talk about fasting and food as fuel and the reality of what you said that I should be able to not – I in both of us. I mean, we don't have a, a lot of – I have more fat than you do, um, but not, not a lot of reserves. We should be able to not eat, literally not eat a solid food. you got to have water. Uh, for five days, and I should still be able to go out and do my hour mountain bike ride. So, yeah, let's do Not fuel. only that, not should. I would, Kevin, I'll bet $100,000 right now that you can. That I can? You will not. No, can. You will not die. You, oh, you yeah. cannot eat for five days and go do that. Yeah. I know you can. Yeah, absolutely. You might have a headache and a tummy ache and not feel so great, and it might be slower, but you will do it. So that's, that's fuel over here. So the reality back, and you said this multiple times during the show that we eat for, you use the word emotions. I mean, it's just an emotional thing. Habit. Just app, it, inter, it, Well, you said entertainment. <laughs> I mean, it is. I taste. want that. No different than yeah. the reason that we people, you know, flipping. You and I are s- sipping on a coffee right now. Not because we are. Well, no, that's God. <laughs> that's, that's different. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. We're just feeding our appetites back to our appetites. We are feeding our appetites. I want to today. Yep. I am looking forward to, I haven't eaten yet, but. Whenever I do, I will enjoy that. And tonight, especially, I'll think about what I what I what I'm planning on having. Uh, yeah, that it is even that just that reality of fuel and emotion that it we're so again skewed, especially I think in America as far as what food is. Even if we would just realize, primarily, I eat for joy. I eat for my taste buds. I eat for appetite. That's the primary reason that most Americans, at least, eat. That's our primary. It's a it's a recreation. Entertainment. Mm-hmm. I, I would say be careful because very high up in there also is social. Us uh, at lunch. I do look forward to hanging out on the deck, sitting yeah. in the sun, talking about whatever with you, with John, eating great food. Uh, we could do social. that without eating. It's just we enjoy eating along with it as well. We don't need to. We don't have to. Right. I don't like hanging out with you that much. Okay. 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 Well, at least that, at least that helps. Okay. Well, tr- so this is the, again, the psychology of food is what we're talking yes. about. Which we talked about the history of food. 
We talked about the psychology of food. The we're, and I, I hope we're putting gravitas on when people say, "Oh, so you're saying I should skip breakfast or I should?" Yeah, no. It I, I, people need to be smart and wise and gentle with their spouses and their neighbors and their kids to to be able to to have this kind of dialogue. This is hard, yeah. or I should say, it's. It's weighty, mm-hmm. and we live in a society that's blue-red, black-white, good-bad. We don't want to sort of walk and chew gum at the same time where it's like, okay, wait a minute. There's a time and a place when I'm going to say cake and ice cream is awesome. You, It is godly, righteous, and you should do it. It would be wrong for you to withhold yourself from that on your birthday, on your wedding, on a celebration. But if the next morning, like we said so many times, is milk and cereal, that is very, very close to cake and ice cream. And... You just don't know. You're not aware, and you're listening to the advertisement on the box, which has nothing to do with your personal health. Fortified with eight essential vitamins and iron. Yeah, it's 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 immoral. Yeah. It's wrong, and and that's kind of what we're speaking. That's why we're talking. Well, about I want so I want to hit it again. I know we've talked about it, and if people have listened to a lot of our shows, they've heard it before. But let's just again to look at the reality of the culture that we live in. And I'm going to pick on America specifically. Of what you said that way back, let's say 300 years ago, they're eating, we would hope, you know, they're eating the foods that they grew, um, real foods. And then once in a while they would have the cake where somebody has gotten some good flat or some, some. But there again, think how long it took to make cake. Cake was cake yeah. and special because it took more time, more money, more effort. Yeah. Flour and, and sugar, stuff that they probably didn't, most of them weren't growing sugar, so they would go buy that at the right. markets, whatever store in town. So flour, sugar, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, you carbs and, and sugars, and they'd have that cake. And what you're saying right there, the reality that in America, there's a lot of people today in 2020 who get up in the morning and have cereal and milk with the equivalent ingredients of cake. Sugar and carbs of cake. So they just had a celebratory thing that they think is cereal. Maybe they got the good cereal, life cereal or grape nuts was when we were kids. Fortified with eight essential vitamins. It's complete crap. There's no life-giving you know, food in it. And then for uh, lunch, you know, everybody goes out and uh, fast food or a pizza or... And has a piece of cake again called hamburger bun yeah yeah so again in that in that form of a lunch they have again the ingredients of cake and then at dinner time it's fish and chips or whatever it may be with again the ingredients of cake and we're having cake every day and it proves out if it sounds facetious it proves out in the fact that in 2020 in america in our fluent society we are continually sicker and fatter i mean yeah. the stats are undeniable in that Unde- sense right So what should you eat? You, you, I mean, you mentioned breakfast. We look at that. So I just pulled up, you know, ABC news. So this is not a scientific story. I have no idea where they got it, but they're just talking about, Hey, what do Americans eat for, uh, for breakfast? And well, right off the bat, let's hit that. Uh, they said, I actually, I don't know if I got the stat, but there's a, there's a, yeah, I did. I looked you at it. I forgot. Four out of 10, yeah. Did I say four out of 10 skip breakfast, which at some point our moms were saying that's bad. This is the healthiest meal of the day, which I think is an urban legend. I, it, it uh, and here again, I, of all of those nutritionists that you just mentioned, one will say breakfast is the most important meal. One will say breakfast is the you know if we're going to talk about meal timing, when when should you eat and and if you talk to the fasting people, your um, 
your ghrelin, which is your hunger uh, sort of hormone, is lowest in the morning. So many, many people are have their lowest amount of appetite in the morning, and you're sort of foisting food on. Like one of my kids does not want to eat breakfast, and one does. So I, I generally don't. I just that's why I'm not. Did you eat this breakfast this morning? No. When's last? And I walked to work. Oh, and you walked to work. I, I, I can't remember when I ate breakfast. I mean, it could have been a week ago. I don't. I'm not paying attention. But so on that. But if we go back to that, those four out of ten Americans who are skipping out of this survey, skipping, those are not the healthier ones. Chances are, those are there is just obese and and sick. So the if fact that they didn't, they skipped it, and you and I skipped it. It's not it's, a it's not a connection to for, yeah, right who's healthy and and why did I skip it and why did they skip it and what did they and many many people will quote unquote skip breakfast but they will in their mind they're they're skipping breakfast and that doesn't include the the bar in their pocket and the coffee on the way to work at nine or ten or whatever that or they, even at breakfast that time. Now, that now they're starving <laughs> I didn't even break, now I'm starving and I'm going to have this empty car well and it said the survey said thirty one percent have cereal. Uh, which I don't know if there's any cereal that's... Uh, well, I'll, I'll tell you. So if we do eat breakfast, and I hope meals on your list there too, yep. but I, you know, like your kids, when they came over and I often brag about my oatmeal. Say it, say it. Give the ingredients. I, yeah, so my here's oatmeal... Randy, here's Dr. Randy James' I, is, oatmeal. I think it's a $10 meal if you went to a, if you went to a restaurant. Oh, probably. Because it's a small amount of steel-cut oats, like what would fit in the palm of your hand. And I plopped well, it. Just, but just talk on that because, I mean, you go to the store, they got instant, they got a big thing of instant oats. It looks healthy. Then they got the whole oats. And then they've got, now they've got organic oats, gluten-free oats. You're talking about steel cut. What's the freaking difference? Well, I actually had to look that up one day because <laughs> I was like, if it's cut by steel or if it's cut by metal. steel cut oats, you have to cook a lot longer and they're a nuttier yeah. te- texture that some, some of my kids like it and some of them don't at all. Right. Same, same in our family. It. It, it's amazing how similar oats, rice, millet, all of the grains, and if you look at the plants, they all look kind of similar. So these are, you know, the, the head of the rice grain or the wheat grain or even just the weeds that we're looking at outside the window there. They all have that, that, that head. Yeah. So oats are the same. And that groat, uh-huh. like you call it, buckwheat groats, and is the whole kernel. And rolled oats means they squish it out, they flatten it. So a processing thing that helps them to preserve longer on the shelf. But does, that, does that give it less nutritional? Yeah, squishes out some of the fiber okay. and the oils. Okay. And so we're saying don't do any of that. And um, and so it's and when they say steel cut, it doesn't matter if it's cut by steel or whatever else. It's just this is not rolled. Okay. They it's harvested in such a way as to keep the whole groat, the whole kernel. Just like brown rice and a whole kernel kind of thing, rather than parboiled or. I, I, I'll never forget. I met a guy. Man, it's probably it's years ago. I met a guy. He was an oat farmer. He was an organic oh, oat sure. farmer in Kansas or Oklahoma or something like that. And he, I thought it was interesting because he said he eats steel cut oats. Just and he knows oats. I know. So that's <laughs> interesting. Yeah. So he's you know healthy guy, but yeah. So I okay. just, you know, got it. we have a big bucket of that. I grab, a, I grab just a loose handful of that, toss it in the pot. And, yeah, you have to boil it, you know, five to ten minutes, soften it up, and it will be chewier. Um, and then I will put a full tablespoon of extra virgin cold-pressed olive oil, um, but not— Co- Coconut? Uh, I mean, coconut, coconut oil, oil. Yeah. right? And, olive oil is going <laughs> to give you a little Italian flavor. Little savory oats, oats there. <laughs> 
coconut oil. Coconut oil, which is the fat. Uh, right. Just a good not fat. a huge amount. So we're not saying, oh, it's extra virgin cold press coconut oil. So the more the better, right? Like a lot of people in this keto world are saying, well, it's good for me. Therefore, Do half three, a cup. Four, yeah. just more. No. Okay. And, it's, and that's where I would say my expertise would come in as the, as the doc or physician or whatever else to do the labs and say, well, what is your genetic history, et cetera, et cetera, to say, should you have a little bit of that or a little bit more? And, uh, and so then the next thing is a handful of various seeds, nuts, and one of my favorite is the cacao nibs. So right. raw cacao, which has it's chocolate, but it, there's no sugar, there's no whatever. And but you're saying nuts and seeds. So think. So we got chia seeds. You could do. I do pumpkin seeds. Pumpkin seeds mostly sunflower seeds, and uh, then yeah, separately would sometimes do chia. But then um, nuts, so like walnuts, pecans, something along that line. Yeah, almonds, walnuts would be my favorite. Okay. Cashews, it, which I do some at home too, and I've got a chopper, so I'll make them smaller sometimes. Anyways, okay, keep going. Yep, so, so a handful of nuts out of my nut bag there. And then I will put a liberal amount of cinnamon. Uh-huh. Love that. And then I play a little bit of clove, a little bit of, you know, fiddle around in the spice rack with those kind of things. Uh, we'll use good honey and maybe a tablespoon. Now, of, sometimes you'll do, my kids said you do fruit, like cut up an apple or something. And then the last thing oh. is, my favorite thing is now in season, it's berries, uh, blueberries oh. and cherries. Oh, okay. So my birthday was just the other day and, and uh, cherries is, is a favorite. So we made a cherry cobbler, right? Which is, okay, these weren't steel cut oats, but they were, it was my birthday. And so we did yeah. oats, but it was the amount of sugar, because I don't want it super sweet. It was less sugar and it was brown sugar and an so there's a time and a place for that, but my oat meal in the morning was not a cherry cobbler in a different form. Yeah. And what I have noticed about that kind of brunch on usually on Saturday Sunday, so and it's you know a half a bowl I guess, but I can stand up from that meal and run. Yeah. Go. And what I notice with that meal is it's kind of frustrating because if we eat at 11 a.m. It's a struggle to be hungry at 6 or 7 p.m. Hmm. That's the concept of sticks to your ribs. Yeah, that's good. That food will fuel for a long time. Yeah. Well, and it's gotta... so good. I, I almost get mad at it because I just I want to eat more, but I'm I'm full. It's weighty. I like that. <laughs> so that. That is an old thing. Stick to your ribs. But that's... I mean, that's legit. Well, so, so hit on the, we had on that, again, this is, you know, some ABC survey. I just pulled it up real quick, but there's like one out of 10 do a muffin bagel toast pastry. Which is a nothing food. It's just, just high, generally high cal- and, and, and the people who get the organic healthy muffin that has a thousand calories. I mean, it's outrageous. Some of these, especially if you're going to get it at Starbucks or whatever, it, think of it. It's you're having, you're choosing to have a celebratory piece of cake, piece of cake. Probably the equivalent of a couple pieces of cake in any, pretty much any, uh, what do we say, pastry, bread, a, bre- a bready item. You know what? I would go, I bet, you know, for our listeners, they're smart people and, and maybe they're not doing that, but they're getting, at the health food store, they pay a little more and what do they get? They get a breakfast bar, Lara bar. Oh. And now I'm going to pick on my kids. Well, you, the, the larva, I, I mean, technically I like the ingredients, but then you look at it, the sugar content, it's just so high. Yeah. Of any of them. It, and that's, that's my point there is even in 
so my colleagues who are on the functional medicine side and these great websites and, you know, a Quest Bar or something like that, it's still, it's a better choice than a thousand calorie muffin. Yeah. But it, it's, it's still quick and easy. It's carb based. And even it's if processed. it's processed, it's processed. And I would say if you can't take time now here, I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to me and in our society in general. Part of what the problem here is we have divorced our life from the time it takes to create a meal, food. And I would, so to you, to you and me, not again to somebody who's diabetic or somebody who's been on the proverbial couch and they're not ready to run a 5 Who's in a significant place of brokenness. They're, they're, they're metabolically broken. You, yeah. you can't handle this. I'm, I'm actually going to challenge people out there. And I hope you can handle this in the future. But when a meal comes around and you got up too late, you don't have, to, you don't have the five minutes to boil your oats to soften them up, then fast. Yeah, skip it. Skip it. And that doesn't mean grab a bar on the way out the door. It means enjoy the extra time that you have to do something else and fast. Well, so we have a friend, Scott Stearman, who I, I had on the, the Ziggler Show podcast recently. And he uh, shared this. It's a cool story. He shared this uh, this last weekend while, while they were here visiting. He was driving and he said he just uh, having some prayer time with the Lord. And he said, God, tell, tell me about food. What do you have food? So this is, you know, wherever you are in your faith walk, uh, just go with the concept. And what came to him, long story short, was God saying, eat what I made. And I'll add on the end of that in its natural form. So back to your bar, even though it may have whatever, a grain, a whole grain, a, a berry, a some kind of a sweetener, whatever that came from some natural form, it is now in its unnatural form. It's gone through whatever process to be formed into a bar, to be put in a wrapper that it can stay on a shelf and not rot uh, for a long. That, that in itself is a big telltale sign. And that is not, you know, what God made in its natural form. And if we look at that, so an egg, you know, came out now, Natural form. I, guess I was going to say raw, you have to be careful because egg, I bought stuff. my steel cut oats from a store in a package. In a package, sure. I mean, we got to do the best that we can because we're not out there growing our stuff. Right. But as close as we can to right. the food that God, you know, that, that grew on the earth, uh, whatever your again faith belief grew on the earth in as natural form as possible. So broccoli, I'm not growing my own broccoli either. So if you can get it close by from a farmer's market, great. But the best you can get uh, of a broccoli, even if it's an organic at the store, to take that home. And you can wash it and eat it raw. Uh, that's fine. If you want to cook it, its best form is going to be what? Maybe steamed to keep the well, most nutrients. I, in? I don't want to answer there. The, well, come it, on, but boiling it isn't the that... best form is the way you'll eat it. I don't like raw well, broccoli. I like it sautéed with spices. That's the best form for me. I like it raw. I'm better then, than you. Okay, right. yes. <laughs> okay. You Pharisee. Well, so so coming back, you know, to the well, just hitting on not to make breakfast the focus. Well, you what? mentioned Scott. Yeah. So I think he would be okay with me saying, you know, he was here. Yeah. As a, as a patient before yeah. he moved to Oklahoma, and and my encouragement to Scott and Hermine. So you've got both ends of the spectrum there. One on the bigger side, and one on a thin mm-hmm. side, right? Yeah. Yeah. And Scott would say, there, yeah, there's been a struggle with, you know, he's lost a lot. But where, where is the weight and that kind of thing? And to both of them, and especially, I think, to Scott, I would say, one, my encouragement, my challenge to him and to people, and I grew up in Oklahoma. I am an Oklahoman. But the obesity percentage there and in the South in general is way more than 30% now. Mm-hmm. 
God made fasting. Feast on fasting. Meaning, you cannot create the peptide Y, the ghrelin, the... Nobody needs to walk around saying, oh gosh, what's my ghrelin today? How, it, I don't it, even know what that is. It's one of the satiety hormones. Okay. Or hunger hormones. Satiety. So what... Satiates, what makes you feel... Yeah. And we're, now we're back to our happiness, blessedness, contentment, satisfaction. Nobody is training their children or themselves to be satisfied with a skipped meal. Think of mm. that doctor that you read the, who says, our, what I just said seems so extreme. Crazy. Oh, right, right, right. Like, what a religious, uh, freaky fanatic you are. Yeah. <clears throat> But I would still go to Scott and say, if you or we or me, if, if Kevin Miller isn't experienced with a, what it feels like to be three-day, four-day, five-day fasted, then that's extreme. Yeah, that, that, here's, here's the book. Un, it's Undoctored <laughs> by uh, uh, William, William Davis. Yeah. Indeed. yeah, and it, he has a great quote in there. It's a thing that stood out in the book where he says, so people respond to him and go, gosh, so you want me to eat extreme? He says, no, I want you to understand that the way that our culture eats is extreme. Yes. In the span of time, from thousands of years, that in the past couple hundred years, we now eat yes. extreme in our dietary intake or uh, – that, that or, we don't, or, or we don't limit intake. our, we don't limit, <laughs> yeah, right. We don't ever limit our intake. And now we have to be very gentle. And I would say, and I would go to Scott and say, if he says, man, I just get a headache, I get, I'd say, okay, you know, we're not going to take a guy off the couch and say, okay, our standard here is a five minute mile. We're, right. we're just not going to do that. That's, that's ridiculous. But if the guy says, I'd like to get in shape. Okay, let's let's start. Let's walk that's around a, the block. But that's a good point. That's probably a primary uh, ingredient in the lack of success for a lot of people in changing their diet is they go they do too much too fast. Even with exercise, they go, okay, I haven't been sedentary for a year. I'm going to go out and run, and I went out today and run two miles. Well, you're probably going to get shin splints. You're going to get lung burn. You're going to you're going you're to uh, Zig Ziglar is really well known for his uh, his BAM program. He was out of shape, overweight, and so he went out and he walked around the block. That was it. And the next day he did it and he added a mailbox. So it was a block and a mailbox, B-A-M. And he added a mailbox. The next day he added one more. And this incremental thing to where, I don't know, it was like 14 months later, he's actually able to run a 5K or something like that. You know, mm-hmm. it was an incremental thing. Same thing, yeah, with the diet. Some people have the personality and the propensity. They can just make a 180 change and stick to it. I don't think that's the norm. I think most people will have success by adding. My, my wife talked about, uh, talked about adding in said instead of thinking about what i shouldn't be eating just add in have some you know have some more water have some more veggies and fill that up then you're less prone to be hungry and eat the junk that's out there but think about more of adding in what are the good things you can add in and by proxy you should leave less room for the stuff that you're trying to leave out instead of just thinking about what can i cut whatever works for you obviously right even on on our fasting days it uh like I would, even though facetiously we just said, hey, we want to be out on the deck with food. But on a fasting day, I would make sure that there's deck time. Because well, you I can gone I look for, for, you and I've gone and, for walks, uh, walk time. So, yeah. And that's enjoyable. And uh, or make sure that I, I for lunch, instead of saying, OK, I can't do that. Now I have to just go to work. I would say, you know what? I'm going to watch an episode of Dude Perfect. I'm just going to. 
I'm going to enjoy some mind candy over here for whatever. And that's even, fair. And even thinking about like the critical day, think about everybody who has that critical day of, man, I've got this big work project. I've got this right. presentation. I've got this. That's when I'm more prone to think, man, I'm not going to eat so that my body's at full tilt focus on my brain. Okay, but let's go the other way. What? For the person who is a couch potato with their fasting, I'm going to say, hey, when you got a million dollar client or whatever that day, don't fast on that day. You're not ready for it. Oh, okay, right. To you, I'd say, yeah, don't eat a bad breakfast on this day. Let me start you know, off with your oatmeal recipe and yeah. have, have a good stick to your stick to your ribs. Stick breakfast. to your ribs. Yeah, breakfast. Uh, yeah, you know we can, and and well, let, let's 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 hit a little bit. I mean, we we keep coming. You and I are so conceptual with everything. You know, again for breakfast, saying skipping it is a great option. You talked about oatmeal. I mean, another common one that you know here in America is eggs. Mm-hmm. Which again, you can have talking about back to your oats, you can have eggs in an organic, you know, from your neighbor or as close by as you can, high quality egg that you whatever, boil, fry, whatever. Or you can go like in our in our town here, you can go over to the local diner place and have an omelet that again is a thousand calories with God knows what put in it. It's very different form of that egg. So what form is your egg? Right, so I, on the on the egg side, I would say that the key thing there is not necessarily organic, but range fed. Oh, okay. right. So because if it says organic, they're getting organic chicken feed, right? Okay. It, you know, corn, gluten, soy. So is this a, a, a chicken that has been fed hormones? What are you getting through that chicken? Are you getting one that was out in a barnyard eating grubs like it should? Right. Because that's right. that's your point. You right. don't want one that had grains. That's not its natural food. Well, no. Right. Well, chickens eat everything, right? So, okay. but if they're getting, if they're like at the restaurant, their key thing there is to get cheap eggs. Mm-hmm. So, you know, eighty cents a dozen or whatever. That's coming from some hen house. The most hormones. The right. That's junk. that's the industrialized production of eggs. Yeah. That is, those are not happy chickens. They're 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 hormone fed based whatever. And is that going to kill you today if you eat that this morning? No, but in general, over time. And the other thing, uh, both with, with oats and eggs, because we do eggs a lot as well, is, is the concept of rotation. You said cycling, and I, I just want people to hear, uh, like some people will come in and say, you know, I gave up cereal and now I eat fruit for breakfast every morning. Doc, I eat blueberries every morning. I'll say, well, now you're going to ruin blueberries, right? There needs to be... There's no food except for water that's intended to be eaten all the time, every day. So just, just well, so just, even for you, so you may do oats, and then the next day you could do fruit, and the next day you don't eat, and then the next day you may do eggs, eggs and, and then yeah. that would be more relevant than the we get it. Yeah, we do get in this. Have grandpa every morning had a boiled egg and a piece of toast and coffee every right. single morning. It's probably could have done better. He, he, right, that's not bad. Per se, but he could have been better. Probably could have done better. Just to say on the, I mean, bread is the, bread and grains is the consummate American breakfast. And for some reason, we have to have that. The thought of having a salad in the morning is. (laughs) Broccoli, asparagus. Yeah, it's counterculture. And yet we have other cultures. If you read, we talk so often about Dan Buettner's book, The Blue Zones, where so many of those cultures are having vegetables, fish. Um, all kinds of things that we would say are dinner or lunch items. And they don't have, for some reason in America, we've been brainwashed to think breakfast has to be contained within these items. Yeah. In that survey, I mean, there was no percentage of people that were having a salad or or fish yeah, or or, or sushi. I mean, my gosh, there's a lot of the country, the Asian that are having sushi for breakfast and stuff. Um, 
the I would say the grains, the grains that we have in, here in America for the most part, grains and, and the breads and stuff. What what are the worst ways to start your day? Yes, so we we struggle in in my house because. Uh, you know, teenage kids and they want easy. They want, they, they don't like new things. And so for me, a huge treat is once a month is to have a piece of toast that's piled high with almond butter and honey. And for me, that's, that's, that's like cake. That's the treat because that's what I used to have. What kind of toast? What kind of bread? A gluten-free, you know? Really? Yeah. I, I usually do the, if I do that once in a blue moon, uh, Ezekiel bread. Yeah. Which is I think sprouted. I'm more sensitive to the gluten side of things, it, and I have kids that are. And you've got the, the gluten-free breads generally have corn on them, which I'm sensitive to. Which you're sensitive to, right. And they're processed. But they are it, more processed. It, it, highly. Gluten-free is, I would think, is worse quality than Ezekiel and the real grains and that kind of and, thing. And on that, and I, you know, I'm not the scientist or the nutritionist, but I, you know, looking at uh, Ezekiel bread and some of the others with the sprouted grains mm-hmm. – I'm told that they some people can digest them better. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. That's what we do. If, if, it, bit, so. if it if I didn't have the kids around, if it was just me and Marcy, I think we would go towards making our own. We would import the yeah. grain from Europe. We would get a different. Well, you said sourdough. I would. I keep thinking I should do that. I you should. I should. It well. It costs time. It costs money. It costs effort. I should pay somebody to make it for me. There you go. And actually, there's. One of the patients just told me about a place down in the springs, a European something or other that – it's not gluten-free. They don't do that, but it, it, they do use European stock. And there's, again, you know, testing it. Test, test the different breads if you have to do bread. But, again, yeah, we, right. we do so – it's a treat. That, that, well, that's, maybe just that we look at it as a treat. Even the best of the best, it's a go. treat. It's, and, and where bread used to be, you know, because even on the – A staple. The bread is a staple in America. Well, that's right. But what it used to be, and on those bread packages, what you see is is a mama who's got this home baked bread, and you know she's it's sort of the picture of what Wonder, bread. Wonder bread. <laughs> Wonder what, how you can live eating that. What stuff. It, somebody very smartly and astutely said, "I bet I could make that faster, easier, better, cheaper." Yeah. It got industrialized and pretty, nice and, and white flour. But real bread with real grain that is thick and hearty and all of those kinds, not and cake. Nutty. Yeah, that is what we lost. Well, bread we lost that in nineteen forties well, uh, or fifties, probably yeah, right. If you, and to now buy hearty, seedy, grainy bread costs twice as much. Yeah, and people like my kids turn their nose up at that. They're like, "Yeah, I don't like that. It's got little seeds in it." Mm-hmm. They want cake. Mm-hmm. And if I feed it to them, they're going to continue to want cake. Yeah. Why would they not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and gosh, yeah, looking at, at, the, uh, at that, I mean, we grew up, so many of us, our age, and you had brain, grain and breads for breakfast. Lunch was a sandwich. On white bread. On white. But even if, no, ours was the Roman meal. Roman meal. Yeah. yeah, that was the healthy one. Yeah, whole, that was us too. Whole, it was brown. Whole, yeah, it was brown. <laughs> exactly. At that. And then, you know, evening time is, you know, could just as well be some kind of a breaded. Well, it, we always had a roll. A roll. There you go. Dinner rolls. Dinner oh my roll. gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Again, and, and so we are, we're back to that extreme aspect. I mean, just looking, I don't know that we need to go through the specific foods of what is, you know, life giving or not, but I mean, we know, I mean, vegetables. I mean, vegetables. Yeah. How many kids, how many people in the culture? Eh, I don't like vegetables much. That, how can it be like saying, I, I, I just, I'm not much into sleep. You can't do that. Right. Not to be well. Er. 
or right to be optimaline. Optimaline. <laughs> yeah, you cannot. You, I mean, vegetables. It's like saying. I, I just really don't like the smell of gas, so I just don't go to gas stations. I, you know, I pour other stuff in my car, and I hope for the best. <laughs> That's funny, actually. That's pretty good. Yeah. So, I mean, vegetables. I mean, to to do that, I mean, nobody is going to be harmed. Maybe one in a billion for some reason I can't even think of by having vegetables for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, or ha- you know, half your meal. I mean, just vegetables, 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 nuts, seeds. And there we go. People ask, what's the diet? So, Dr. James, what's the diet? And here's what, here's what I always say. What the do you, first go the word is modified, meaning if you like it, you, you're going to eat what you like. So all of us like cake and ice cream. So when you said, I listen to my body, I'd say, be careful because your body's calling out for coffee every day. You got to be careful about that. So everybody out there says, I know what I want. I'm like, ah, be careful. Just be aware that human bodies aren't very... Smart. Well, back to our show. I don't know what number it was of elevate your appetite. Of we're yeah. going to have an appetite. So if put you your got, brain in there, even that if you had to have bread, look, train yourself to like the best, <laughs> the bread right there ones. Is. Yeah. Yes. So modified paleo. So there's the keto influence. Mm-hmm. Now paleo doesn't mean you eat a mastodon every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> paleo. If you go back to paleo, whatever nobody knows, right? So it's conjecture. It was probably the biggest portion was vegetables still and root vegetables. So high carb vegetables, beets, carrots, grubby kind of things. Well, maybe one big meal because they killed the mastodon. No, one big meal of beets, roots, grubs. This is paleo, truly. And then, yeah, they got lucky they got a deer, but that was once a month, once a whatever. Yeah. You know, and then. They gorged or something, and then they had to go back to, then they had two or three days of, hey, let's relax, and then they had to go hunting again. So that's the paleo influence is grass-fed and finished, wild-caught, free-range eggs, all of those kind of things, which, yes, it costs more. Eat less of that. Which you're not going to get. And then then there's the hassle factor of all of this, which is you're not going to get that at your local grocery store. store. You're going to have to find it? We don't, at least. It depends where you're at. But, yeah, we got to get it at a specific store. At the cost. And people say, well, it costs twice as much. And I say, yes, skip one meal a day. Well, yeah, have less. Don't have any snacks. Well, (laughs) I go many days without having a meat source at all if i do it's usually fish but even if we look at that i mean a little can eggs of, well i don't do eggs oh, well, yeah, well yeah. That, we didn't even we, we'll pass that obviously some people are going to have sensitivities allergies right, and tolerances right. for some reason my body literally on an allergy test comes back it does not like eggs don't know why it doesn't mean eggs are bad it just doesn't work for me you got to figure that out and everybody right. can i don't know if i've ever met anybody who says i'm allergic to broccoli but Maybe My somebody kid, kids. No, that's that's an appetite <laughs> allergy, not a not a literal one. But well, to finish modified paleo, meaning yes, really good meat sources. Yeah. Mediterranean, modified paleo Mediterranean diet. Now, Mediterranean diet does not mean pizza and pasta. That's that's critical. So, to if you go to an American Italian restaurant, what do you get? Huge amount of pasta, huge amount of pizza, huge amount of bread. Huge. A huge amount. Gigantic, yeah. Now, people sort of try to knock their guilt down by having a salad first, but it's generally not a a hearty salad. It's kind of, you know, whatever salad. So by Mediterranean, we mean number one is the vegetable content there. Salad, veggies, olives. I was going to say olives. Will figure prominently. Talk about stick to your... Ribs, yes. The, the, so a salad that is 
uh, spinach, cabbage, kale based, romaine, and those kind of lettuces. Not the not uh, the iceberg. Yeah. Not the and with a, a good dose of. And here, I'd be very picky about my my oil, extra virgin, cold pressed from a good source because olive oil is is modified by your. If you're getting cheap stuff, it's it's not true olive oil. Uh, so modified paleo Mediterranean and and fish. So that's the main meat source in the Mediterranean diet is fish, not chicken. That would be less often. Um, Which again, we, you got to do the. You went back to your grass finish to do fish. It is harder and harder and harder and harder to get a decent fish. That's right. That's Up right. in our it little costs. town right here. I mean, the best that you can do. It says go we'll, catch your own. Well, is a yeah, trout. <laughs> yeah. Which we have one option: trout. That's it. Period. So to go to the store and you want salmon and tuna and tuna, everybody, you know, it's mercury and salmon. The wild caught. Is it really? And he's got to do the so best. So your cost goes way up. That's right. So, well, we don't even have access really to get the best. We would do. They have these services now where you get it. You know, two day FedEx from in. Alaska. Right. Which talk about costs. Astronomical. So that you and I like the smoke fish. So you can. Yeah. It, but to get fresh, you're right. Yeah. It's just not going to happen. So, so we've found our sources for the frozen. Wild caught, but, but I wanted to even go back to the amount. Isn't a, an appropriate amount of of a meat source for a day about three ounces, which is about the size of a tuna can? My understanding was, I mean, for a day, I mean, that's enough meat. That's a viable amount of meat. I think most people most people are going to have more than that as a meat source for every meal. I mean, if you get a burger, it's going to be more than that. If you get a a steak, a, a chicken, a even a fish, man, you know, the amount, the portion size are. Yeah, here's... That's like a hunter-gatherer. This is all I'm going to have for the next three days. Well, then, sure, knock yourself out. But for every meal or for even one meal a day, the amounts are just astronomical. That's that's where I would... I I just, in my own personal life and even for patients, I don't think in terms of ounces or count carbs or calories or things like that. And, you know, do you have a weightlifter? Do you have... What's your goal? uh, right, Right. Now we're into the optimal kind of... And if somebody is out there that says, look, I just, I don't want to think about it. Uh, I'd like to lose 10 pounds. I want to, you know, I'm busy. I'm trying to work out, you know, two, three, four times a week. How, what should my protein kind of thing be? I really, most Americans are building their meals around a meat kind of a thing. Then I would say, yes, a pretty good, if you, and now this helps you cut down the cost and we're back to that tuna can size. Yeah, that should be a sliver of meat, two Eggs, really high quality, good source. Kind of, there's your eggs with, and go to town on your broccoli. That my goal is the half the plate of every meal is vegetable. Now you can't really do broccoli with oats or whatever, so that, that, that's a little bit different. But for lunch and dinner, is half the plate is veggie. What's your lunch today? Did you bring it? Yeah. What did you bring? Uh, well, leftover. So it's, okay. It's, so it, well, I was going to say, taco for, night. lunch for us is almost always leftovers from dinner. Though here at the office, if I'm not going to skip lunch, which I might, and I want something, I always have like you know, like wild caught can of salmon and some frozen veggies at the least. I just you know, I've yeah. So I'll either lunch. skip it or. But generally, uh, we have something from dinner night before. So what do you yeah, have? And, uh, taco. Wow. So well, probably so. Our, in fact, we just bought a quarter of a cow mm. from the farmer we know. Grass fed, grass finished. Grass fed, grass finished. And so uh, filled up your freezer. Yeah. 
A lot, and, and I'll say a lot. I know a lot of people, and you know, we live in a bubble. We kind of live in a blue zone. Yeah, who will have do. an extra venison? We'll have an extra freezer or a deep freezer or something to fill up with. To fill up with up here, elk. Uh, yeah, mule deer is what we got up here, or uh, yeah, uh, cow. And but a quarters. So we did that last year. It brought the cost down to four to five dollars a pound, which is really good compared to six or seven in the in the stores for grass fed, grass finished. Yeah, but what's uh, what's regular beef? I have no idea. I haven't bought it in oh, a we, decade. And and we don't. And you know, for my family, we don't eat beef. Um, for whatever don't reasons. like it, but, or but we, but we don't, or, or we actually we don't eat much of anything but fish. But you know, either way, to have it, and so you've got that. So right, but it's yeah, taco. So black beans uh-huh. that we do do organic, and uh, but it was canned. And there again, you know, we we bought an Instapot, and should I make a big old thing of beans we and do, freeze them myself? And, and we do sometimes. We'll sometimes. Make, I'll, I'll do them if I think ahead <laughs> far enough, which I often don't. So we have canned a lot, too. And uh, and just a whole – most of the bowl is then uh, cabbage and spinach and tomatoes and avocado. I think I and have – I'm looking forward to that now. I think I have <laughs> – Actually, I don't. It's it's mainly Terry did this big cabbage thing. She's been in a cabbage kick too, so she sautéed it with a bunch of stuff. I think that's the majority of my thing, and then I threw whatever leftovers on top of it, which might be broccoli, cauliflower, and I think all the meat. We had fish. I think it was all gone, so I can't remember what else I put on it. Maybe that was it. Now there's something we, else. We had mahi mahi last night. We haven't. Oh, that's good. It was. It, it tasted like Hawaii. Seared Just. seared tuna is kind of top of our list. So I mean, I, I think people get the concept. I did want to also put in here. Um, we, you know, we talked about portions, you know, real food and food rules is a book we talked about so often by Michael Paul. And it's a little book. You can read it in 30 minutes. It's funny. And it's got some hooks that'll stick with you, but it talks about what is food. And so much of what we talk about, talk about the middle aisles of the grocery store. Uh, Michael talks in there. It is not classified as real food. It is processed dead food. Yeah. The what's real his food, subtitle on food rules? Uh, eat plants. No, eat no, food. Eat food. Mostly plants, not too much. Yep. Yeah, it's a, it's a great one. Real quick, though, just to, to put in there, because we're talking about the things that we put in and calories and whatnot, uh, I want to put in liquids, beverages, what you call because those are often insidious culprits that get in there that we don't take into account, meaning uh, right now you and I are both drinking an Americano. So uh, it's just straight. Well, you might have had a little – you had a little cream in yours. So, uh, but you're basically straight – coffee no calories no junk that is not the primary thing that starbucks and the other places sell they sell more technical milkshakes than any other place fast food on planet earth so people go in there and get their milkshake we're back to cake instead of coffee they're having cake didn't we see the stats on that that they were the largest purveyors of milk in the world well i i heard it technically milkshakes i mean of 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 a processed You know, even the, I, I mean, I think that, and maybe are, even sugar too. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think uh-huh. so. I think so. So, uh, but beverages that, that are slipping in there is people's coffees and teas that they have then put this extra stuff in, uh, and talk about calories and what's adding into the obesity and sickness mm-hmm. and illness. Calories, yeah. Liquid calories. Uh, then we've got sodas, and if somebody listening to this is not aware, I hope they are. Look at the sugar content. It's it just continues to go up. It's going to have any can of soda is going to have or bottle 50 70 grams of sugar which the amount of tablespoons of sugar it's just disgusting if you had to sit down and, and just put in your mouth those tablespoons of sugar it would you'd gag but we drink it in our things so then we go to diet 
which is you give the stick up. You guys don't do diet. Sometimes we'll do some of that. I don't want the sugar, but it's crap. Yeah. The, the artificial sweeteners. There is no natural form of sweet liquid. Mm-mm. So the body, and there again, is not built to drink calories. It, it just does not exist in nature. Mm-hmm. Right, food. So there is no liquid that carries calories with it. Well, and I'm addicted to an unnatural one doing the flavored seltzers, you know. But that's the. Well, but you said addicted. It's your habit. It's your motion. You like to sip and, and those. Well, kind of it's things. my alternative to because I do want something other, that tastes a better good. choice. Yeah, I want something that tastes good. Well, and mine is tea. Tea, yeah, which I wish I liked, but I don't. Uh, but the next big thing is uh, culprit again. I'm going to call it is energy drinks. Those have gotten. You were talking about the healthy bars. We're in this age of energy drinks, and I would say, is there anybody on planet Earth who needs an energy drink? If you do, something's wrong. Just like if we need coffee to be alert, that's, that, that, something's that's wrong. The problem, right? Why do you need an and energy drink? It and my son, you know, the teenage, and so, admittedly, what you know, Red Bull, Monster, Rockstar. They're cool. Like on X Games and uh-huh. skateboarders, snowboarders, all that, that. That's, you know, it's the Red Bull X Games or whatever. It, they're creating a culture. They're creating this whatever. And it's... I put it up there with vaping uh, at this point. You know, it's, it's, yeah, and the it's, old even smoking. Well, sure. You know, where you had, I think the women's tennis series, it was the Winston, you know... Tennis. Oh, that's right. It's a series for you know, about in the seventies or whatever, and for years, and the the car racing, the Winston Cup, and totally for forgot, years, yeah. it, it. And so we've we've dropped that one, and now yeah, the vaping kind of a thing. But the 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 energy drinks, and on, on one hand, they're they're presenting it as athletic, as cool, and usually these aren't overweight people that are out there flipping around on their skateboards or whatever. But if People are doing that on a constant basis. Right? It's just it's we're back to we're back to cake. And to think about you know that so often we're going to grab that energy bar and it's saying I'm going to have a celebratory piece of cake. And then lunch is the fast food. I'm going to have a celebratory piece of cake. And then somebody brings in donuts or pizza or something or you know actual cake that somebody's birthday and you have that midday celebratory piece of cake. And then evening time comes and it's fish and chips pizza. I'm going to have a celebratory piece of cake. We've now had five pieces of cake a day. I mean, this is why the stats are what they are here, especially in America. And it's growing. We talk about you know the our, we're the we're worldwide influence, yeah because yeah. we're influencing everybody else and going towards these. That's the appetite culture. We're back to that again, right? And and again, the gentle awareness of, oh my gosh, somebody who is stuck in there, mm-hmm. who to say, hey, come out of that culture, it's really, really, really hard. It is. And it is. I, and, where, and you and I talk about what we're talking about with joy and our appetite. That has been years in the making. Yes. That's not how we were raised. And, and it's been a, such a slow progression. I even look back to five years ago and think, man, I can't believe how... Some of the things I was doing I with my diet that was probably you know way better than the norm, but but man, still it's so everybody's to... on their on their journal towards optimaling yes and even like we say on the when we sit out on the deck so often I, I am so grateful that I like the broccoli I am too it, I that am. I that I find joy in it and that did take choice yeah and ex, that, that's the concept of extreme ownership I owned. Not eating over here and eating over here, and that process took time. Uh, and in marriage, and and my wife was noting the other because we were talking to the kids about their picky things, and 
And she is astounded at the way she grew up and said, I can't remember my mom ever making a vegetable that wasn't a can. Wow. Just ever. Like that was just not part of the culture. Yeah. And so here we are, right? And there's, we're on a journey. Um, Comes down again to your goals, you know? Where do you want to be? Your motivation. Your motivation. Yeah. All right. Well, hope that was Thanks, helpful. yeah. I hope this episode has you seeing food differently, thinking about it differently, not as mere fuel to burn, but the building blocks for every aspect of your wellness. Thank you as always for choosing to tune into this self-helpful podcast. Uh, Again, be great to get a a rating review. Best thing though, is just to know that you've taken what you've heard here and talk about it, discuss it, grapple with it with someone else. I sincerely hope I've helped you help yourself so that you can help others.